good morning all. It's nice to see those who are here and um, I trust everyone is in good health. Uh, my uh, request this morning from Scott is to both talk about the uh, church plant. Uh, first slide, please. Uh, the proposed church plant in the western suburbs um, and also to preach from the Word. So my plan is to largely go through the, the format that I've done with other churches regarding the church plant. But there are several scriptures that are referred to in there and we'll dig a little bit more into those uh, at that point. So, proposed a church plant in the western suburbs. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. But we could well ask the question, why plant a church? Why bother? I mean, isn't God all about making me comfortable and you know, why challenge me to, um, to learn something more or do something different? Why, you know, why, why stretch us? And I, I believe that God's love compels us to consider um, sharing the, the gospel that we come to know and love with those in other communities. There are three scriptures there which I believe are very relevant. The first one is from Genesis chapter 2 where God, through an angel, says to Abraham, through your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed. We see in that scripture something of God's relationship with Abraham. Because Abraham had struggled to have heirs and descendants. But here's a promise. You will have many descendants and also a promise that that blessing will touch others. So we see God's heart for both Abraham and those that are in a, a far off distant place. The next in Matthew 28 and verse 19, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is very much a fulfilment crucial to the fulfilment of that promise of Abraham. He was very much the key instrument in that blessing of God going out to reach the nations. And he said to those people that he had called to follow him, at the end, he said, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely... I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so we see there a couple of things too. We see God's commitment to them to be with them through all uh, challenges and difficulties right through to the end of, end of the age. So we see God's love for them, but we also see God's heart for the people in distant lands. The last passage there. Again, Jesus' words in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, where he's talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what God promised to Abraham, that that blessing would go to all nations, what was commissioned or commanded by Jesus go and take the gospel to all nations, is empowered by the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, 
all relevant to this ministry, this mission. And one of the key elements of the filling of the Holy Spirit is, the, is empowered witness. It's not the only thing, but it's one of the key things. And so we see Father, Son and Holy Spirit very much loving those who are following and serving, but also with a wonderful heart for those who are yet to hear. We see in these passages God's heart for those people. Next slide, please. John Wesley would have agreed with that. Words of John Wesley. I want the whole Christ for my saviour. Well, you could preach a hundred sermons on that. The whole Bible for my book. There's dozens of sermons there too. The whole church for my fellowship. Some more sermons there. And the whole world for my mission field. John Wesley would agree with what we're saying here. Those words of Wesley's resound in my heart. Even just understanding, he said, the whole Christ for my Saviour, even in just understanding the fullness of Jesus' love for us, his provision for all of our needs, including our deepest need for reconciliation with him. And his purpose in us, with us and through us, truly Jesus is the answer to all the real needs of people today. This is the message that we both enjoy and we would take with us to new communities. But let us reflect a little further on those um, those scriptures. Uh, next slide, please. There, there, thank you. We can note that God, through an angel, said to Abraham, descendants and blessings to all nations of the earth would come. So that was in Genesis chapter 22. Back in Genesis 11, the beginning, you know, there are different parts of this puzzle. Back in Genesis chapter 11 and verse 31, we find that Abraham's father, Terah, led the family out of Ur to go to Canaan. But then he settled in Haran. In Genesis 12, the following chapter in verse 1, we find that God called Abraham to complete the journey to Canaan. Next, uh, next slide, please. In this slide, we see uh, the journey. And the, the far, your right-hand side, you'll find, you, you can see there, I think, can we focus? Uh, it's a little bit fuzzy. You can see Ur at the beginning of the red line. If you go directly across the map to the, the, almost the shores of the Mediterranean Sea, you'll see the beginning of the yellow line, which is in the area of Jerusalem and Sheba and whatever. The end of the yellow line there is the destination. So they set out from Ur. The destination was 
the other side, but they ended up travelling through Haran, through Nineveh, and uh, sorry, Babylon, Nineveh, and ended up in Haran and settled there. In the flow of history, what's Ur all about? How did they get to Ur? If you were to travel north in the map, up in the, the, the right-hand corner, you can see some white, snowy area. And that's the mounts not far from the mountains of Ararat, where the ark came to rest. Now, when they came out of the ark, God said to the people, be fruitful and multiply and spread out and fill the earth. We find 210 years later, approximately, the people were gathering together to build a great city and a great tower. And they were doing that so that they they would build a great reputation and so that they wouldn't be scattered, so that they would gather together in greatness in that place. And we call that the Tower of Babel. And that place is somewhere near Babylon, you can see there. Uh, Well, there's two proposed sites. One is a little bit north of where Babylon is and the other one is quite close to Ur. And so they came from the mountains of Ararat and 200 odd years later they were there gathered together um, trying to build this place of great recognition for themselves. And God's solution was, no, I told you to spread out and multiply and fill the earth and so he scattered them again by confusing their languages. Now approximately 130 years later, we find them... um, Our key figures here, Terah and his family, Abraham and Lot and others, there at Ur, a little bit further away. And Lot says, not Lot, uh, Terah says, okay, we're going to Canaan. And so this journey begins. During the 340 years approximately since Noah, this people had forgotten the true nature of God. They exchanged what they knew about God for idols of the sun, moon and stars and animals and created things. This trend away from God is a a common thing. We see it in our world today. Countries become great as they follow God and then they become introverted and self-sufficient and they tumble and that's been the, the case through history. This trend away from God is common. The Apostle Paul wrote about this In Romans chapter 1, from verse 19, we read, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the earth. But the things that have been made... Sorry, in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honour him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, 
to impurity, to the dishonouring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. And that's a trend through society. We see it's definitely what's happening in Australia at this point. Um, Respect for God in parliament, in schools and other places has been replaced by other things. So this trend had happened in Ur to this point. What do we know about Ur? Next slide. Thank you. That's the correct slide. What were the gods of Ur? This was some 200 years after Babel. The uh, long, tall one there is the god of Un. His character is somewhat like the god of the Old Testament. He, he, was the, he was the originator. All things originated with him. He had unquestioned power in both in heaven and on earth. But then on top of that, the next one uh, in the band there is a picture of the goddess in, um, Inanna. She was primarily known as the goddess of sexual love, but also the goddess of warfare. There was another, there were other gods. Probably the symbol of their great religious zeal at that time was the ziggurat. The picture there of the the great uh, temple mountain that was built in that area at Ur. Now, that was built around about the time that Abraham was on his way to Canaan. But it demonstrates something of the religious zeal. That was an amazing, a huge task to build that thing for worship of the false gods and the idols. It was a very religious but ungodly place. Back to Abraham and his family. Terah, his father, took the family and headed for Canaan. Why did they leave Ur? Was it because of danger? Well, we don't know that. Could have been. Was it because God's purpose was more important? And we do know that. It may have been a mixture of the two. But they did not complete the journey. They settled in Haran. So what do we know about Haran? Thank you. Haran was a busy trade centre and was known for about a thousand years as that because it was right on the trade route between the Mediterranean Sea, thinking back to our map a little while ago, through to the heart of Assyria. And trade from Egypt and from Mediterranean Sea countries all went through Haran back and forth from the great Assyrian Empire. So there in uh, Haran, there were lots of things that Abraham and Terah would never have seen before. I lived in Thailand for some time and I enjoyed, I I avoided tourist places. I enjoyed spending times in the unspoiled parts of Thailand where the way of life was very different. Now, people that grew up and lived in those unspoiled places, if they visited Bangkok, they would, because Bangkok was a major trade centre, They would see things there that originated from countries all around the world. Medical networks and and, and literature and entertainment, buildings, transport, all sorts of things that were just different 
and wonderful. Haran would have been something like that because there in that place there would have been many attractions that they had never seen before. So there they settled in Haran. But Haran was also a sanctuary for the moon god called Sin, aptly. (laughs) And there were other gods that were there. There was the, apart from the god Sin, there was also the Syrian goddess, Atargus, and also the Arab goddess of Alut. So not only did they have products and practices from all, the world, all around the world, they had gods from all around the world there in that place being revered and worshipped. How do God followers respond in a society like that? And we live in a society like that where, where there are gods and religions from all around the world prospering here in our country. How do, how do we fit in with an environment like that? Next slide, please. James wrote in chapter 4 and verse 4, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Why were they called out of Haran? Was it because of danger? Possibly. Was it because of Comfort and compromise, that too is possible. Many things to be caught up with, many distractions. Sometimes we get too comfortable to follow God. Was it because of comfort? Was it because of that God's purpose was more important? And it could well be a mixture of all three. Now Abraham followed and was known as the friend of God. Could we say that God sent a friend request to Abraham in our modern vernacular? He certainly ticked the box and said, yes. Friended by God, that's a really trendy, catchy idea. The IT world have brought friendship to the fore. It's very simple to be friended or defriended. In, in the IT system. A respected person once said to me that they were happy to be f- Facebook friends with me, but nothing more. And I have great respect for that person and they had obviously had good reasons for setting those boundaries. But to me, it highlights the fact that there's a real difference between Facebook friends and other friends. 18 months ago, my daughter started talking to me about people she assumed I was familiar with, people like Rachel and Monica and Joey and Chandler. I had no idea who she was talking about. She was talking about the characters from Friends. Now, Friends was first um, hit the air in the 90s, before my daughter was born. But she and many of her friends were live, you know, were watching this on their, their media And they were fascinated by this, to them, which was an old sitcom called Friends. Now, 
I'd never been a fan of the show, never really knew anything about it. But if, if this was becoming a major influence on the thinking and the values of my daughter, I was going to learn about it. So I bought some series on DVD and watched them and learned a bit and then had conversation with my daughter about 12 months ago. She said, oh, I've lost interest in that, Dad. But as we discussed the show, we became... We, we agreed that whereas there were some really good points of friendship there, um, the friendships endured tough times and misunderstandings. And sometimes relationships were strained and they had to work through things and be reconciled. And so there were some, some important things. But the downside was there was almost constant lies and deception and very bad moral choices and actions. I've been to many churches over the years and many of them are very welcoming and friendly. You get to the front door and you have these, these Amy smiles that greet you and you feel very welcomed. They're very friendly. But I have found that continuing to go to many of those such churches, though that friendliness does not turn into friendship. There's a difference. Abraham was not a Facebook friend with God. He was not just friendly with God. He was called the friend of God. I have ongoing friendships with people that I first got to know when I was five or six years of age. People that I may not see them for five years at a time. They're down the southern corner of Australia. But we catch up often. And if there's ever a real need on their side or my side, we would do anything to help out the other. There are friendships that have, that have, that have endured the test of time. What is friendship like in the Bible? What does the Bible tell us about friendship? Starting in Exodus 33 and verse 11, we read, The Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, as a man speaks to a friend. Now, communication face-to-face is an element of friendship. I don't know where that leaves our online friendships. I think we need to say that through the past year with COVID, online friendships have been a lifesaver for many. But it's still a poor substitute for real friendships. But open communication, an important part of friendship. Moving forward to Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 8. But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, though the people of Israel are offspring, they are not called friends. He doesn't say, you, O Israel, my friends, Offspring of Abraham, my friends. Friendship with God is not something that's inherited. It doesn't matter how wonderful your parents were and your uncles and aunts were. We don't say, well, you know, they were friends of God, so therefore I am. It's very much, where am I in my response to God? Where is my relationship with God? 
The reasons for this friendship are, are, are explained in James as, he's, as he refers to Abraham. James 2 and verse 23. And he says, And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. So it says that the basis of this friendship was believing and trusting and obeying. An essential part of this relationship. Relationships are are two-sided. What about the disciples? The disciples followed Jesus and obeyed him. They were friends of Jesus. In the words of Jesus, in John chapter 15 and verse 5, we read, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father... I have made known to you. Jesus says the basis of or the fruit of this friendship with his disciples is this openness, this trust between them. And just before Jesus said that, he said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Obedience and cooperation are an essential part of being friends with God. And just before then, Jesus had said, in John chapter 15 and verse 13, greater love, has, has no, uh, greater love has no one than this, that somebody lay down his life for his friends. Sometimes friendship requires sacrifice for the good of the other. There are also things written that relate to friendships, such as the fruits of the Spirit and in Galatians 6, and the nature of love in 1 Corinthians 13. But the passages I've looked at specifically are talking about friendship and friendship with God. Do these examples that I've referred to typify your friendship with God? Something to consider. Do you believe and trust God over all areas of your life? That's something we don't inherit. That's something that we of ourselves say, I'm responding to God in this way. Is your life of following Jesus characterised by obedience to him? Is there openness in your communication with God? Are you willing to sacrifice for your loving God? This picture on the screen there may shine light on what the friendship choice is that we make. On the one hand, we we have the mind and the heart and the aspiration centred on God. On the other hand, we have the mind and the heart and the aspirations centred on the ways of the world. Now, God loves the people of the world. And would love them to be his friends, to be reconciled to him. But friends of God cannot be friends of the world. We are ambassadors in this world. We represent God and his kingdom in a world of different values. Though a subtle difference, it's a significant difference. The challenge to you and I is, are you and I like Abraham? 
who heard God's call and said, yes, I will follow. And are known as friends of God. Are we like the disciples who heard Jesus say, come, follow me and I will make you fishers of men? They were friends of Jesus. Next slide. Back to our presentation on the church plant. The destination. What do we know about this western suburbs and what's going on there? On the screen there is some statistics or a chart that's come from statistics by the Queensland Government. And there are two columns. Can we see the colours there? Yes, we can see the blue and the grey. The blue, uh, sorry, the grey is a 10-year period and the blue is another 10-year period that is more recent. And they're stacked side by side to make a comparison. If we look at the first one on the left, the Gold Coast one, we can find that growth was greater in the earlier 10-year period than the latter. And the same with Brisbane. The growth was greater in the earlier period than the latter. But you get to Ipswich... And you can see that it is five or more times greater in the later period than the earlier one. And so it goes down. The reason why that's significant is, and the, the growth in that period is uh, approximately 100,000 people. Now, if you drop 100,000 people into the community in the Gold Coast, they just, they, they just dissipated. They've spread through the high-rise buildings and through the infrastructure. The same with Brisbane. You drop 100,000 people into the Brisbane community and they just spread out and disappear. But the challenge in the western suburbs and Ipswich is that to accommodate this growth, they've had to build new suburbs, massive new, uh, and, massive and complex new, uh, new infrastructure to accommodate them. And that includes roads and housing and supply and shopping centres and schools universities, new railway links, and everything. There were no churches in those communities, so the only churches in those new populations of, of, of many tens of thousands of people are new churches. Next slide, please. In this next slide, we see... The projection, the state government's projection of growth. Now, in the, the, on the left-hand side there, they're comparing two cities that were of similar size um, back in 2011, Townsville and Ipswich. Townsville was larger than Ipswich at that time. In 2016, that had been reversed. 2021, substantially, substantially more growth in the Ipswich than the Townsville area. And when I say Ipswich and western suburbs of Brisbane, if we included some of the western suburbs on that fringe, um, that growth would be more significant probably. But the projection is that the growth in that area is going to continue to accelerate. Both will grow, but that's the, these are the government projections. These provide an amazing opportunity in a growing area where all the residents in this area have, have shifted from interstate or overseas or from other parts of Brisbane 
And they're shifting into an area where they don't have their normal infrastructure or support networks. And in those times of transition, statistically they show that people are more open to looking into new relationships and new contacts to find a sense of community. Next slide, please. So how does that look on the map? And you can see the largest round circle there is <clears throat> the Springfield area, which began some, t some years ago as Springfield, and then Springfield Lakes, and then Springfield Central. And now, because of the de demand, they are just bulldozing hills and, of course, stripping the trees so that these suburbs can continue to, to, to spread. The next, next largest circle, the oval one there, is the Ripley Valley, which, because they don't have to bulldoze as many, many hills, it's anticipated that that will be much, a much greater population than the Springfield population. And the rail, new rail link will continue on through to there and it will have its own hospitals and universities and, 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 and government um, networks and everything else. And there are other circles there which are other parts because of the demand of, of housing in that area where there have just been bushland that they've just been bulldozed and replaced by housing. Next slide, please. We could say, well, why plant a church there? Why not just do a letterbox drop and invite them to drop in on us? Fair question. Now, those yellow circles are around the three existing church in the Brisbane metro area, the hills up north and 316 in the middle and, and Logan uh, further south to that. And the circles represent what is a normal travel distance to a local church. Now, of course, there are always people that will travel further than that. But if you look at the red circle, which centres pretty much around the Springfield area, it's quite quite a distance, quite a separate community. Next slide, please. So what, what stage are we at with this church plant? The Wesleyan church leaders are very positive to, to, to the idea and just through this last week they've approved a, um, a budget for expenses to help get things started. There's been assistance volunteered by four young, gifted, talented uh, worship leaders, experienced musicians, singers and worship leaders. Now, these are, are two separate family groups. They haven't met each other to this point. And when I say younger, I'm not saying younger than myself. I'm saying in their 20s. And so they have little ones as, as part of that. And... Uh, and that's exciting. We don't know how, how that will develop, but they've expressed their interest in being part of that. We have talented and experienced youth leaders, talented and exper experienced home group leaders. And we also have one experienced church planter and missionary, which is me. I'm, I'm a little bit older. What do we look forward to? I believe that we look forward to uh, next slide, please. I believe that we look forward to seeing new people coming to new life in Christ. I believe we look forward to seeing estranged people reconciled to God. 
We look forward to seeing love shared between us in the fellowship, but also beyond us. And I'll just tell, give one illustration. I've done church planting before, but every contact can be a valuable contact. And, I, and one thing that we used to do as a, as, a, as a young church when we were still at, you know, around about 30 or 35 people on a Sunday morning, we, at least once a month, we'd, we'd have lunch together at a park. So after church, we'd bundle into the cars and head off to a park or a riverside or, or a reservoir or something. We'd spend the afternoon together. And I bought a bus so that people that didn't have easy transport couldn't go in the bus. And in one case, in, just in Queen's Park in Ipswich, there was a, um, one person befriended somebody else who was from a completely different country, completely different cultural group, befriended and chatted to them. The next week, that person was in church with their children. Within a month, they'd recommended uh, some friends that we made contact with. And through the process of a couple of years, there was probably 40 people that had come to hear the gospel and respond to the gospel because of that one contact in the community. Just because as a church we chose, as a small church plant, to live life together but also rub shoulders with other people in the community. It can be an exciting time. I expect that we're going to see many challenges but also many victories. What am I asking for today? Next slide, please. Prayer support. There are many challenges and big decisions to be made and we need prayer so that those decisions and moves will be God's decisions, not just the strategies of man. We need prayer for that. We also need contact with people that may live within a reasonable travel distance to be part of that nucleus. And I've mentioned certain factors that are falling into place. This is the really big one at this time. I will invite probably 250 people to be part of that over the process of time because I know probably 1,000 people have positive relationships with probably 1,000 people in the area from years spent in doing community assistance and working as a school chaplain and whatever else. But simply to gather people together and say, now we're a church, it may not be a Wesleyan church. So the real challenge at this point is to gather people that are of a common heart and mind so that we have a Wesleyan ethos and we invite people into that and they become part of that ethos. And that's the crucial thing at this point, to find a, a group of like-minded people to be the nucleus for that, to set the standard for that church growth. There are many in the western suburbs in that new growth area who need to know God's love and his purpose. Come back to the challenge to us. Are you a friend of God? Am I a friend of God? Are we willing to be a friend to people outside our church community? Abraham heard and he believed and he followed. He was a friend of God. The disciples heard Jesus call, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they trusted and they followed and they were his friends. Jesus still calls people today and says, come, follow me.
Let's not begin this journey and like terror, settled in Haran, short of the destination. Let us be like Abraham who followed, though imperfectly, but he followed and he believed and he trusted and he was a friend of God. Let's pray again together. Oh Lord, we thank you for the historical records that we have in the Bible. Thank you for the way that you've worked in the lives of people. Thank you, O oh Lord, for your loving heart which has reached us and your loving heart which is reaching out to people outside our church community. O oh Lord, may through this, uh, uh, this uh, new um, outreach thing which is starting this week from the church, the Alpha series, O oh Lord, may, may people's lives be touched and changed through that. May this work in the western suburbs truly have the, the anointing of your spirit upon it. O oh Lord, I pray that you would bless each one. Help us to grow up happily in a knowledge of your love and your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.